Praise it like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I see the enemy coming in like a flood in our houses, in our churches, in our families. The Lord gave the word, and great was the company of them that published it. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Welcome to the Know Your Bible radio broadcast that reaches around the world daily with the good news about Jesus Christ our Lord. I am your host, Bishop Fred A. Carwell Sr. Now lend me your ear, and let's go inside of Know Your Bible and hear God's life-changing word. Welcome to Know Your Bible. Today's message, The Apostles' Doctrine. And now here is Bishop Caldwell. If you will, turn with me so that you'll already be there in your Bible. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bible to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're going to find something very revealing in this scripture. Our purpose of teaching today, the Apostles' Doctrine, is because I've never taught it before, so I'm jealous of myself. I've never taught it before. I've never seen it in the capacity that it is revealed by the Holy Spirit to us today. So we're going to start in reading this second chapter, at least to the 42nd verse, which is just about all of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia, in Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, in Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, 
and sojourners of Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Christians and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were perplexed, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter standing up with the eleven, with the eleven, with the eleven, with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but this is that which was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see vision, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden by it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also shall rest in hope because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, 
and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He seeing this before spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread, and in prayer. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all, and to every man and parted them all to every man as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their food with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. That's Acts chapter 2 in its entirety. Before we get down to sharing with you God's doctrine, there are some things that each one of you with your Mickey Mouse ears on 
should already know. It's like if a little child, your niece or your nephew or your child comes into the house and it's about a pretty good amount of people in there and this child starts sneezing, coughing, eyes running water. A day or two after that, someone that was in that house is now sneezing and coughing and eyes running water because it was a germ released. Hello, somebody. It was a germ released in the atmosphere. And this person walked out with that. And over several days, this germ that was released germinated and gave them a cold. And so it is with the book of Acts. Peter sneezed. It was 11 apostles present along with every nation under heaven was represented by a host of people, Edomites, those from Arabia, from every nation under heaven was there. Peter and the that made up the 11 apostles were there. This message contains the germs. If you can't handle the germ, let me give you another word, the elements of the things that should be being taught in the New Testament church. And the Bible says with many other words, he exhorted them. So when we talk about the essence of the church and what makes up the church is not a building with a steeple on it. It's not glass. It's not sheetrock. It is made up specifically of people that believe in their heart and confess Jesus Christ as Lord with their mouth and call upon him, receiving him as Lord and Savior, those are the only persons that are added to the body of Christ. Amen. Those that say that they are Christians, but have never confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. Have joined a Baptist church, a Catholic church, any other kind of church. Because they joined the church. But it does not mean that they are born again. So the falling away that's coming are those that will fall away that profess Jesus but do not possess Jesus. Now, so everyone that is at the church is not in the church. So don't let that throw you. They can be in the choir, they can be a deacon, they can even be the preacher. Because they are at the church does not mean that they are in the church. Amen. The only people that are in the church are those that are born again, baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. So, in Peter's teaching, there is a germ, there's an element in this sermon that gives us an insight as to what 
we should be believing and what we should be extrapolating on as teachers in the church and that we should be moving out with revealed knowledge. Now, there are those that don't think they need to be taught. They think they know it. You don't know it. And it's not fair to the spirit of the living God or to you as a believer that need to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus to be running from church building to church building around town, listening to any and everybody. At some point, you need to be taught the germ, the element that's in Peter's sermon and expanded by Paul. That's true doctrine. All this I heard, I believe, I this and that has no place in the body of Christ that is at church on Sunday morning with people that are not even born again. Hmm? That's why it is difficult when the truth is coming and those that are born again ain't saying nothing. Now you think about that because Jesus is the amen of God. And when the truth is told, you or to say amen. amen. That automatically pulls out of that congregation and pulls up those that are listening to what thus saith the Lord to the church. Those that have ears to hear, let them hear. Because a person next to you may not be born again. Amen. But we can't tell you ain't saying nothing and they ain't saying nothing. And you think about it. So there is a germ here, an element in Peter's message that basically almost covers the whole New Testament. Now, before we get into this, well, let me get, get into that right now. If you look at God's doctrine, and that's what we are studying, is the doctrine of God. That word doctrine means teaching. So when we say that Bishop Caldwell has received a PhD, he's a doctor, then that means that you ought to be able to come to me or whoever is into doctrine and be able to get the truth of what these scriptures mean. That's what it means to be a doctor. If a person physically has a problem with his heart, he goes to a cardiologist. If a person has a problem with his car, he goes to an automotive mechanic. If a person has a problem with his watch, he goes to a jeweler. If a person has a problem with what God said and how that's rightly divided and how it fits into life at this present time, then they should be in a place where there is a doctor in the house. Okay? So that's the way it's set up. We oftentimes think that God doesn't have any sense. God has all the sense. He even made us. Amen. So we have to understand that there are, there are laws, there are rules, and there are regulations that govern good teaching and governs being in a good church. And it's your job and my job 
to study, to show myself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Whereas the word can be rightly divided, it can be wrongly divided. But who knows? Because people are not studying. They're not in Sunday school. They're, they're not taking it up. They go to the church that their friend go to, irrespective, irregardless of what's being taught over there. And that's not the way that God designed the system. Okay, so now let's, let's look at this God's doctrine. And we will be sharing that the first Wednesday of each month, at least seven sessions. So this is the beginning of those seven sessions. This is session number one. Okay, now look at definition. The word doctrine is the word dedache. Say that back to me. Say it loud. Say it loud. Okay, so the dachi is doctrine. Okay, it denotes teaching. Listen to this now. This is the tricky part. Teaching what is taught by the Holy Spirit in the scriptures. Other than that, you shouldn't be teaching in the house of God. Now, it's okay to pull an illustration, you know, President Biden, Kamala Harris, and What's going on in Washington? We, we can handle that. But I ain't coming here on Sunday morning to get no CNN review. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Dachi doctrine denotes teaching what is taught already laid down in the scriptures, rightly divided. The Dachi also means the acts of teaching, the act of teaching that which is taught. So you're being taught to teach. Not that, that, there's no such thing in this Bible as a pew member. All right, moving right along. <laughs> the dachi is mentioned twice in the scriptures. Now, this word, the dachi, is teaching what is taught. Now, how many people do you know that can teach what is taught? And see, what we have to understand as we get further along right here is that our obligation is not to the district. It's okay if we are part of 13 district, whatever. That ain't our obligation. The Christian's obligation is what Jesus said. He said, teach them to observe Whatsoever things I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always until the end of the age. You teach what I teach you. Okay, now, 2 Timothy 4 and 2, the Bible says, preach the word, not about the word. Preach the word. Well, how are you going to understand it if you don't study it? If you don't have resources available at your house to break it down, preach the word, not about the word. It's okay if you share something about the word, John on the Isle of Patmos. Okay, I got you. But what did he say? Teach and preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove. Rebuke, exhort with all long suffering, and look what's underlined, and doctrine. 
That's why I've said over the years, if I teach you something, you can take it to the bank. I've already searched it out before I told you. Because I feel as though that's my obligation, that's my responsibility. I don't care where they come from. I don't care if they're from Colorado or California. It doesn't make me no different. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in them. So when you get down to seriously having a pastor or having someone, an overseer in the house of God that's serious about the right division of the word, it will draw some and it will run some away. Because a lot of times people go to different churches because they got a good choir. In the word, they could care less about that. That's why I thank God for you all. Okay, now, in Titus chapter 1 and verse 9, holding fast the faithful word, the faithful word, as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort, that's to encourage, and to convince the gainsayers. So then there are gainsayers that visit these local churches in these buildings with these steeples on it that don't believe the Bible. Some come to court, some come to date, some come to try to find a wife, some try to come to try to find a husband. You don't know why people come to church. So what we have to understand here is that doctrine, teaching, right division of the scripture is most important. Amen. And when this word gainsayer, gainsayers, a gainsayer is one who contradicts the teaching. Who speaks against the teaching. Who has a problem with what is being taught. What is being rightly divided. Then they have a way of twisting that out of context. And a gainsayer is one who contradicts and speaks out against true biblical teaching. There are some folk that get married. Now, I, I don't have a desire to be running around performing marriages. But I do be the daddy here. And now here you come back. With a husband, I don't know nothing about him. The family don't know nothing about him. You went out and got him. You had him confess Jesus is the Lord with his mouth. He acted like he believed in his heart. And now he's beating you in the midnight hour. Don't, come, don't call me. And there are some folk that have come, got some good daughters out of here, good sons out of here. And now they're out there and they got the blues. Because they went around the, the normal process. The normal process, if, if a girl wants to get married to somebody, then what's the first thing? I want you to meet my daddy. Okay. So we have to understand that the gainsayers are not about right division of the word. And if you are all up in church and you're tithing and you don't miss church and all that, and you decide you're going to date some guy or some girl 
that doesn't even have no church affiliation, doesn't even go, you know, to the place where the Lord's word is, and now you're going to marry them. Why would you leave the light and go into the dark? And you know how the Lord has brought you. Church must not be just something else to do. It's our lifeline. That's why I'm so excited about this, this apostle's doctrine. It's, it's, it's common sense, and people don't have that. And what is common, they try to make it uncommon. It ain't that heavy. So if we're going to exhort and convince the gainsayers, those that are uh, uh, black Hebrew Israelites and those that are Roman Catholics and those that are Seventh-day Adventists, if you're going to convince them, those gainsayers that are speaking against the truth, you got to know the truth. Amen. And that's how you put them to shame. somebody telling his wife, you ain't going to that church and you ain't tithing and you ain't taking my money down there. You say, well, the money that's mine, I'm tithing out of. You ain't my God. I'm sorry. We ought to obey God rather than men. Okay, now, I, I, I thought about Jesus and, and I, I, I thought about and I want you to key in on this. Jesus while he was here in the flesh, he's now seated at God's right hand. He talked about Daniel. He talked about Noah. He talked about the queen of Sheba. Didn't he do it? Yes. He even talked about the rich man in hell. And he talked about Lazarus. Right? He talked about King Solomon. Well, see, all those are Old Testament folk. And the Lord want us to know that he was back there when those folk were walking and talking and moving and breathing. And he brought them to light as well in the New Testament. And just by the mere fact that he talked about them, Noah, Daniel, Solomon, David. All those were real people serving God. Yeah. And oh yes, by the way, the book of Acts is still being written, not by man, but written by God. God take account of the fact that, you know, you're challenged, but in the middle of all that, you still go to church and you still tithe and you still try to pe treat people right. And when they cuss you out, you don't cuss them back. Or if you do, you repent. <laughs> you know. Okay, now. So this doctrine in 2 Timothy and in Titus chapter 1 is very important for us to understand that this doctrine is what is to be taught. So in Peter's message, Peter got a germ in there or an element in there that God took that element and expanded that element all the way through, even speaking with tongues and etc. But we'll get into that in a few minutes. Okay, so now the explanation. Explanation is Bible doctrine should line up with dispensational truth. What is dispensation? It's a set time at which God did a thing. Like, for instance, you have the dispensation of the law. Well, the law ended at Calvary. So don't come here trying to drag me to no church on Saturday. You are out of order. 
Do you understand what, what, what we're going right here? So a dispensation is God's economy. Say these words back to me. A dispensation, dispensation. is a set period of time that God did a certain thing in. See, you, when he stepped up in Eden, you had an Edenic covenant rolling right along. You had an Abrahamic covenant. You had a, a Davidic covenant. And, and, and it goes on. See, th those different covenants and different times in which God did a thing, those things were valid. They were, they were prevalent. They were to be understood and adhered to during the time in which those things were done. So every time God opened up a new dispensation, he closed down another one. <laughs> See, when you know this, you can be listening to television, radio, and you already know this. Click. Okay. So, Bible doctrine should line up with dispensational truth. And dispensation is a set time at which God did a particular thing. In Isaiah 8 and 20, the B portion of that says, well, this is the whole scripture. It says, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. There you go. There you have it. I don't care if he looked like Billy D. Williams or Lena Horne. Doesn't matter. I don't care. What they look like. This ain't about what a person look like. Because they didn't make themselves. This is about what God has done. But if they're not speaking according to the scripture today. Rightly divided. Then it's because they don't have no light. You remember Priscilla and Aquila. They were husband wives. And then you know part of their doctrine was off. And it was corrected. And they received the correction and went on. That's the way it is. We don't all know everything. Amen. So we should remain teachable. If it doesn't line up, it doesn't line up. We ain't hating on you. We know better. Okay. So if they speak not according to this word, it's because there is no light in them. That's Isaiah 8 and 20. Isaiah 28, 9 and 10. Now listen to this. Whom shall God teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Now, it, it was cute when your little baby was a year and a half old, climbing all up on the coffee table, knocking stuff off. Now he's six to eight and doing the same thing. It ain't cute no more. That baby should have been weaned. Am I right about it? See, it's, it's a bad disgrace for people to have been, according to them, following Christ for 15 years and can't even teach babies in the nursery. If we're not coming to be taught so that we can rise up and teach, then what are we coming for? Don't you know your time is running out and, and you're going to be gone? And everybody don't necessarily have to have 
a position in the church as a Sunday school teacher, etc. But you ought to know up in here. It's your job to know. And if you don't know, you're in a place where you can ask a question and get the information. So there's no need of being stumbling around here ignorant. Okay, so whom shall he teach knowledge? So what is wisdom? It's the proper application of knowledge. You don't know what to do if you with knowledge if you don't have no wisdom. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Word of God rightly about it. Them who are weaned. Now to ask a question, then it answers it. Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Can you imagine a man in a tuxedo suit? He's 55 years old and his mama is in the room and he over there trying to get to her nipple. It's something wrong with that picture. She fighting in the middle of the banquet, beating her son down. It's a beat down because he want to suck her nipple. Uh-uh, you should have been weaned. I ought to be able to stand up and say, look, you know, like the superintendents here do, we got some good superintendents. They'll come in there and talk about, you know, who is shining in their Sunday school class and we need another teacher over here. And so those names are... Uh, uh, kicked out and run around well no I don't think that, that they're mature enough uh, yeah I think that's a good choice right there so let's try them as a teacher but not a gainsayer one who's speaking against the truth well I, I, I don't believe in tithing you can't teach here now why in the world do I love you that much and love the Lord that less to let you stand up and start teaching false doctrine I hear Fred Price Jr. And, and, and you know, I've, I've learned how to bear with that stuff. And I say all this, you strain out of that and you swallow a camel. All that, in, that's just too much energy. I'm going to tithe. I got that out of Hebrew chapter 7. Heal me in that die received tithe. There he received them. There's a witness that he lived. So what I pay in down here, the Lord Jesus receives it up there. Case closed. And the reason that Israel brought so many uh, 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 three tithes every three years and two on an average year is because they were agricultural people. Let's see, you couldn't sit over there and wait forever for you to make up your mind. You got two, ten, two com- cucumbers, <laughs> you bring the Lord one. It's simple. People are just trying to make too much out of they just need to be quiet and go in and do something else. Now, that's the way I look at it. Okay, so them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. That's, that's who God says I'm going to teach knowledge and I'm going to make to understand doctrine. Now, when you start understanding doctrine and you got the knowledge of the scripture, it doesn't matter where you find yourself. You can be in, in Spain and hear broadcast will either confirm what the scriptures have already said are confuse you. And it's 
by 99% of the people are confused. I'm not confused. Because I've taken quality time to search out what I need to search out. And, and I'm here to tell you, searching things out in the scripture is a wonderful thing, but it will weary your flesh. You just got to stand in there because if, if you are committed to the word rightly divided, then it's, it's going to cost you something. I mean, over and over, you have to go to those scriptures over and over again and, and get this one checked out and that checked out and all that before you stand up trying to figure out. And, and some teachers don't study. they stand up in the middle of, of the, the Sunday school class talking about, what y'all think this means? Wait, what? It's okay to ask me that question, but do you know what it means? Precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. So by the time we get through all those dispensations, you know, we are now in the church age or the age of the Holy Spirit. We're in the sixth dispensation. We are living before the great tribulation. Every child of God will be raptured. Every child is not his, won't be. All right, flip the page. The apostle Peter preached the first sermon to every nation represented under heaven on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost came 50 days after the Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection. You got first fruit, boom, the resurrection. Then you got 50 days after he was raised from the dead, ascended back up into heaven on the 40th day. All things been equal. So Pentecost means 50. See, when you understand these things, <laughs> that makes you one powerful believer. Amen. You're taught didache. So you can teach others. Okay. Doctrine. Didache. Teaching what is taught in scripture. The act of teaching. Titus 1 and 9. Holding fast the faithful word. As he hath been taught. That they may be able. By sound doctrine. Not sounding doctrine. Now our generation. Is used to sounding doctrine. Girl, you should have been at church. What? Yeah, real, really preached yesterday, baby. Baby, he let it down. What did he preach about? I don't know. But it sounded good. See, women shout. And need five ushers. Because of sounding doctrine. 
And you know how hard it is to get a man to shout. Men shout of sound doctrine. They just sit there and look at you. Anyway. <laughs> My mama died at the same message that was preached 15 years ago. Still didn't understand then, didn't understand now. Holding fast the faithful word, the faithful word, as he has been taught, that they may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort, that's to encourage, and to convince the gainsayer, those that are speaking against the truth. Precept. What's a precept? It's a command. That's what it is. In other words, let there be light. Boom, there it was. That's a command. Now watch this. What is line upon line? Line upon line means to get. It means to gain. In other words, if, if it's offline. Now some of y'all are computer savvy. And you know if you go online to buy something, they, they want to know do you want to put it in the cart. All that. Then you go on some of these different well places and they say sold out. So it's not there for you to purchase. When we talk about lining scripture up, that's a hard task. But if you work with the Holy Spirit, even though you have a Bible like the one I have, you know, pages and all that. Here as of late, within the last couple of years, I can just flip it open. There it is right there. Because I'm getting more and more used to it. But line upon line is your game. Because you know what you're talking about. You searched it out. And can't nobody shut your mouth and shut you down. Because <laughs> you, got, you got that line upon line. So, even when it comes to the book of Joel, we go back there. It On the day of Pentecost, it wasn't no blood. It wasn't no vapor, smoke, and fire. That was futuristic. But it's the right division of the word. You got to line the line upon line upon line. And see, when a person is, don't do that, they're out of line. <laughs> they're out of order. Do you understand? So a precept is a command. Line upon line is gain, which means then if I line this up, it's going to line up. Now, whether anybody in the, in the room believes it or not, this is the truth. And sometimes people try to bring uh, something against that truth. And then, you know, I have to explain to them, no, that's, that's not what that is. That go over there. And that's not what I'm talking about over here. So God expects us to be experts at what we are doing and what we are teaching. Amen. Not to hurt anybody, but to make sure by our sharing with them that they don't hurt themselves. <laughs> oh, I love it. All righty then. So a precept is a commandment. Line upon line means to get, it means to gain. 2 Timothy 2 and 15 Isaiah 25, 10 through 13, 
When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, the body of Christ should extrapolate on through the epistles. In other words, what he preached, the germ of what was there that Peter preached, it was expanded by Paul and the rest of the apostles in the epistles. But not a one of them contradicted what Peter preached. See, if one of the ministers around here preach and is all lining up and I be listening, then praise God, good word, you know, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If it's off, then I'm going to say something. You need to take a look at this. So it ain't no running through here just grabbing something and teaching and it's all out of order. No, that, that can't happen here because I'm responsible on my watch. And that's what caused the body of Christ to grow, the truth. All right. So thus the apostles' doctrine, that's what Peter preached. Thus the apostles' doctrine, that's what it is, because all 11 were present and in agreement with God's word preached through Peter on the day of Pentecost. That's why I extrapolated the 11 of them because Judas had gone out and hanged himself. So they were there on Pentecost. All right, I think I got a, just a little time to get my foot into the door as we talk about Peter's sermon and doctrinal truth, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. There's a lot of doctrine here. That's why it's called the Apostles' Doctrine. Now, I know people have talked about it, but very few people, I don't think I've ever met anybody that have gone through what the Apostles' Doctrine is. Because when you look at Pentecost, every nation under heaven was represented there, and Peter was preaching. He was fired up by the Holy Spirit to preach that message. The same Peter that denied the Lord three times was now gifted with the task to preach the first message in the church on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus Christ had been raised up from the dead. Okay? So Peter's sermon and doctrinal truth, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13 and 14 through 42. All right, let's get this part started. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, you will find there, and let's go back. I had thought that I would be able to do this in a hurry, but I done found out even dealing with the Spirit of God and how he deals with me, ain't no such thing as a hurry. It's not. I try and I try, and it keeps getting knocked down. So I learned I'm not in charge. I know the spirit of the prophet subject unto the prophet. I'm not a prophet. Everybody grab that scripture too. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Okay, let's look at this sermon. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, fully come, that means 50 days, they were all with one accord in one place. So now you know that Peter was in a Honda, right? Boy, I tell you. 
who else do you know make an accord? They were, well, skip y'all. <laughs> and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, this is probably all the time we have to deal with these four verses. Now, ain't no such thing as ever being in this world and the Holy Ghost was not in this world. You got that? Because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. So you have to understand the act of the Holy Spirit, and that's what is called the book of Acts. Okay? So what action did the Holy Spirit take? So in the beginning, God created the heaven. And the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness uh, uh, filled the earth, and the, and the Spirit of God brooded or moved upon the face of the water, and God said, that's that precept, let there be light, and there was light, right? Okay, so the Holy Spirit was there. The Holy Spirit followed Israel in the wilderness. He was a cloud by day. Now I want a hoop. <laughs> and he was fired by night. Am I right about it? Now, that was all the spirit. Now, on the day of Pentecost, he said, I'm not, my assignment is not cloud by day and fire by night. My assignment is to do what God has wanted to do when he said, let us make man. And that is, he want to live in, he want to live in man. Yeah. 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 I'm here to live in man. Yeah. I'm here to empower man. Yeah. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I'm here to live in him. I'm here to empower him. I'm here to show him things to come. So I've always been around, but, but, but now I'm opening up a new dispensation. <laughs> I'm opening up a brand new dispensation. Here come a naked head, ignorant joker. Holy Ghost ain't for us today. Oh, is that right? Well, if the Holy Ghost ain't for us today, how then can we get into the body of Christ? Radio broadcast is now available as a podcast. You can listen to Know Your Bible through Apple Podcast, Google Play Music, and Spotify. Simply search for Know Your Bible or Bishop Caldwell in either app. Tap the subscribe button and Know Your Bible will come to you automatically each time an episode is posted. Enjoy! Now the question is, will I do his will There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus. I 
power in the blood of Jesus on the cross at Calvary is God's resolution to the redemption of every lost sinner forever. Today is the day of salvation and now is the acceptable time because tomorrow is not promised. So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in your house. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Jesus said, come. The Father says, come. The Holy Spirit says, come. And I say, come. You need to come now. Now the question is, when will Jesus return? I was the chiefest of sinners, Paul says, and so say I. I called upon Jesus over 46 years ago and he answered me, came into my heart and brought with him the gift of eternal life. And he'll do the same for you if you call. Say these words to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I believe you are Lord. Come into my heart. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I accept you now, Lord, as my personal Lord and Savior. If you say those words, and if you mean those words, they are recorded in the 10th chapter of the book of Romans, verse 9 through 13. Welcome to the household of faith. Much, much love to you. Now the questions are Hello, this is Bishop Carwell, and this is the Know Your Bible radio broadcast. The world needs Jesus now more than ever before, and you can help us to reach the world for Jesus Christ. I ask for you to pray for what the Lord will have you to do as it relates to financial support toward Know Your Bible. And then send your gifts of love to Know Your Bible, 7480 Greenwood Road, Shreveport, Louisiana, 71119. That's the Know Your Bible radio broadcast, 7480 Greenwood Road, Shreveport, Louisiana, 71119. We also welcome your prayer requests and your praise reports. So until we meet again right here on Know Your Bible, you pray for me and I'll be praying for you. And guess what? We'll all be prayed for. Much, much love to you. Now I see.